previously on Box Cutters. That was the Greek entry, wasn't it? Animaniacs? Something, no, uh, something, something, Animaniacs. No, uh, for Eurovision. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. La, 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 something, 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 aphrodisiac. <laughs> oh, aphrodisiac. Yeah, was that, that Greece or was that Cyprus? It rhymed maniac with aphrodisiac. That's all I yeah. remember about it. It had well, a lot of la 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 in, in you, between. You know what's uh, you, you know what's going to be uh, what's going to be great in about forty minutes' time. Hmm. Toby Halligan is going to tell us whose entry that was <laughs> in Eurovision. In uh, thank God he's here. In places we are straight. I, I know. Otherwise, we would just be, we would be talking about that for hours. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Box Cutters, episode 308. It's like a giant packet of Ovaltinis you put in the microwave. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. To my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. How do you keep them crunchy? You don't. They, it's, well, it's, it's rice, essentially, in uh. the end. It's confusing, I know. Let's just not dwell on it too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because Box Cutters is all about television. It has been for 307 episodes, and uh, I reckon 308, let's keep the pattern rolling. Waiting for that twist. Just waiting for that twist. <laughs> Suddenly it's about Uncle Ben's fried rice. For an hour and a half. What? And this week we're going to be uh, covering Animaniacs mm-hmm. in a Things You May Have Missed, uh, which is a cut. Oh, you know what? I'll talk about it during the segment. We, uh, we've got a crap TV, uh, just a, a tiny, tiny little one. Uh, we've got one thing, uh, places we are straight, as I said, uh, pork. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. <laughs> John Richards, you have some uh, some some here's to absent friends news. I do, and I've decided actually this is more a, it's more a celebration I think of someone's life. Um, genuinely, uh, Catherine oh. Houston. No, no, because wait for me. Wait okay, for it. I got, okay. a, I got a list. Catherine, okay. look, I, it might be Houston. It may, we actually, this is the thing. I genuinely don't know how to pronounce this woman's name. You probably don't know her name at all. But if I tell you that the actress who played Mrs. Lanningham on The West Wing has died, you'll go. That oh, are her. She, finally, she got her own new car for the first time. She got I know. a new car. She wanted to pay for the new car, and what uh, happens? Tragedy. Uh, yeah. um, Catherine Justin has died. She was 72. I've got this little list here. This is just some of the shows that she appeared in. Third Rock from the Sun, ER, Roseanne, Murphy Brown, Seinfeld, Frasier, NYPD Blue, Just Shoot Me, The Nanny, Home Improvement, Tracy Takes On, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Becca, Dahmer and Greg, Ali McBeal, Spin City, The X-Files, General Hospital, The Drink Harry Show, Charmed, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Will and Grace, Gilmore Girls, Joan of Arcadia, Grey's Anatomy, Malcolm in the Middle, My Name is Earl, Monk, Scrubs, The Bold and the Beautiful, The Cleveland Show, The Mentalist. That's just some of them. I didn't even, I didn't even, you know, that's just so I selected. Was her, she in Northern Exposure? Uh, why not? Her film career, however, includes uh, Wedding Crashes, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakle, and Megapython versus Gatoroid. So TV, quite a bit more impressive than her film career. Yeah, yeah, which I think we've all realised it's, it's a much more accomplished medium as well, yeah, television. Yeah. So, uh, so she really knew, I, I mean, clearly she was just doing the, uh, 
the, the other stuff during off season. But also, and this is where I come to the celebration bit, which I seriously meant. She started acting at the age of forty two. Really? Yeah. Community theatre at the age of forty two. At the age of fifty three, she got a job as a um, street performer for Disney in Orlando, Florida. And then three years later, she moved to Hollywood, and then all that happened virtually immediately. See, John, and you thought you thought that I mean, it's, it's too old for Brett because he's forty three now. But you thought uh, you thought turning forty was would like the end. end that, that would be the end of I said, it. I will never play the secretary to the president. And now, now you know that's possible. It is possible, as I said, too late for Cropley. Yeah, you are forty three. Is that is that not no, correct? No, that's not correct. How, how old are you? No, that's not You're forty forty eight. <laughs> You're 48? I'm 6,000 years old, Josh. You know that. Yeah. You're as old as time itself. I understand. Or at least this watch. The secrets of the pyramids. Uh, well, that is, uh, that, that is a, a, a remarkable television career and, and all that in 30 years. Telstra, uh, Australia's largest telecommunications provider, has been talking about possibly buying CVC and Channel 9 or buying out. CBC from uh, Channel 9. Well, what happened to last week's uh, MGM dude? Oh, uh, he's been replaced by Telstra. Oh. Or he's been eaten by Telstra. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. They are a giant monster and they will take over everything. This is a, a, I, I only bring this up... I mean, it is largely speculation at this stage, but it is speculation that has gone all through the business pages of, uh, of Australian newspapers. And I, I bring it up because we, we've got... If there's two, there's a pattern uh, of Comcast in the US and then Telstra in, in Australia of telecommunications companies buying broadcast networks. You mean Cable Town? Yes. Uh, and the the idea that they see they see this as a as an extension of their product offerings and then Realize that they don't understand the, uh, the the medium at all and don't understand the market at all, uh, which is also a problem that CVC had uh, with uh, with owning Channel Nine. Mm-hmm. The I, I wonder if uh, anyone at Telstra is going to go. Well, hang on a second. Wouldn't you need someone really experienced and knowledgeable to uh, to head up a, a network? Surely they've got somebody in customer service that uh, they'd be fully proficient in uh, in all the, the the rules and regulations and the laws of the country. Well, yes, yes. As my understanding is that uh, is that all Telstra customer service employees understand every single rule and regulation and never tell uh, customers the wrong information. Even so, the obvious ones. Even the even the obvious ones. So uh, that. Uh, that's that, that. That would be great. Mm. That'd be great, mm. John. Tell tell us about. Uh, you've got something about giant cats and insane people. That's true, Josh. Last week on Mad Men, uh, and I and I want to mention this because it, it was uh, this has been a great series and this particularly amazing episode in which uh, Jaguar, the the car company, uh, the 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 group were pitching to try and win Jaguars. Uh, Jaguars owned by Ford, isn't it now? Uh, now it's owned by an Indian company. I you, do you realise that Mad Men is a, a period drama? Back, it, back, it, back then it was owned by Jaguar. Now it's owned by an Indian company. I've been, I've, that's, my, that's the limit of my car uh-huh. knowledge. But in the course of this episode, 
in order to win the contract with Jaguar, everyone basically demoralises themselves. They all do horrendous things. The whole episode is basically about how women are treated as meat and about the value of women in this society. Uh, and they also mention that Jaguar cars are terrible mechanically. So, <laughs> And everyone from Jaguar is just presented horrifically. And this whole episode is just grimy to watch. It's amazing television, but it just makes you feel really, really dirty. Someone did go and ask Jaguar how they felt about this. Mm-hmm. They love it. So Jaguar were really excited. <laughs> because because it, they say the word Jaguar many, well, many times in the episode. Really much. David Pryor, who was the VP brand development for Jaguar USA, uh, said that they were... Um, he says, I'm a big fan of the show and it was gratifying to see our brand portrayed. He then added laughing, I would say we were fairly surprised at the turn of events. <laughs> Prostitution. And... <laughs> And it's kind of interesting because I always wondered about the the product placement in the show. And it's kind of interesting with this because um, part of the storyline is Jaguar being presented as as your mistress. They're trying to find a way to say, it's not like your boring wife, it's like your mistress. Because apparently you need to have a normal car as well as the Jaguar because it doesn't work well enough to actually get you from places <laughs> to other places. <laughs> and they're actually saying here um, that uh, this is the guy, Mr. Pryor. One connection I liked was they went down that emotional path. They won't try to sell the car. They were building on this emotional connection, this love, this lust that people had for the brand back then. And we're trying to recreate now prostitution. It is such... <laughs> it's just... It is a fascinating thing that this, this episode is so <laughs> kind of just horrendous to watch. And Jagger's going, hey, look, our car's on the telly. <laughs> <laughs> and I did wonder about whether... Uh, whether this was product placement, I always wondered whether Mad Men, because most of the companies they use are still around, with the exception of things like Mohawk Airlines, which I don't know if they still exist. You know, most of them are brand names like Heinz, and uh, you know, that we, we still know today. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing a bit of research, and it turned out that they did try and do some integrated product placement, you know, like they like, do on... Like Subway. Yeah, like, like Subway. Subway in, in everything. In everything. Uh, or, or 30 Rock uses an awful lot of integrated... Very difficult to get Subway into Mad Men. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes they take the train, but it's not the same thing. There's that, there's that episode of Community in which Subway is represented yes. by a human being. Yes. <laughs> who yes. represents oh. the values of Subway. Genius. <laughs> which I kind of think Subway probably weren't very happy about that one. But it turns out that they they actually did do a little bit of integrated product placement in um, some of the previous series. So Heineken, for example, paid to be mentioned in the second season and then had some special ads in there as well. They got into trouble in 2007 because Jack Daniel's whiskey was being referenced. But because the show quote, uh, features, quote, depictions of overt sexual activity and as well as irresponsible intoxication, it was actually violating liquor advertising standards. Even though Jack Daniel's didn't pay? Jack Daniel's, I, I think, did, did pay. pay. And because they did pay... That means that suddenly it's advertising, yes, as opposed to of a certain standard drama, yes, and the certain which, things you can't means, do with alcohol. So it is, it is fine to advertise. It is fine to reference Jack Daniel's whiskey in a children's program. <laughs> I think the point is that if Don Draper wants to get drunk on Jack Daniel's and then kill a prostitute with it, that's fine, unless Jack Daniel's are paying, paying to yeah. be mentioned. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Matthew Weiner, Weiner, what do we think of? Weiner, Weiner, Weiner. Matthew Weiner, the show creator, was talking about the fact that they actually used most of the product names for realism, not product placement. They wanted you to know this was a real world. And 
that they basically stopped doing after season four because it was too frustrating because there were all these limitations on what they can do. So basically, it is true that when people like Jaguar, like Jaguar gave permission, I think, for the name to be used, and they apparently were consulted on what their ads looked like at the time. And then they sat down to see themselves presented on screen. Right. So it, it, it's it's interesting because the uh, having just watched a lot of Sons of Anarchy for uh, show at the at the Acme, uh, I noticed that they have Jack Daniels like uh, oh. bottles. So so it's a, a black uh, a black label with with white text on it, and it's like Jer- Jeremy Defoe's. Tennessee whiskey mm-hmm. or, or something like that where it's not the same name but the font is almost identical and it if you're not paying attention it feels like they are uh, drinking and smoking real products. Well, the X-Files had... Was it Marley's or Morley's? They were their Marlboro the cigarettes yeah. brand that were yeah, fake. Uh, so, yeah, so a, a lot of TV shows do that. But, yeah, Mad Men has always tried to go for something real and now they have to get special permission like when... Rap got in trouble for sampling. It's exactly like it's that. exactly like that. That episode where Don Draper was doing that mashup of Rihanna's umbrella. <sighs> LA, it was LA, a, a, and people a, kept saying, "Don, the songs are going to be recorded for like forty years." So that's it. why I'm so ahead of my time. But Bitch. neither is the word mashup. Pass me that Jack Daniels swash, swash. Take that, <laughs> anonymous prostitute. <laughs> That's going to be previously on Box Cutters now, isn't it? <laughs> previously on Box Cutters, anonymous prostitute. So while we're on community, the mention of community, there was a leaked memo, and we failed to mention this last week, uh, that the cast was told what to say about Dan Harmon's release from duties uh, in upcoming interviews. That, I did read this. They were going it's hilarious. To it's like it's like they first had the call center. They've been given the the thing the about script. the belief of of our company. So so if if the journalist was to ask the question, why did Dan get let go from the show? Because <laughs> that's a question journalists are bound yeah. to ask. Uh, the 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 cast member was. Oh, well, to hang say, on, let, me, let me do it. Let me do it. Yeah. Let me do it. All right, you, you, uh, hey, Alison Bree. Yeah. Yes, I had lots of sex at college. Why did Dan get let go from the show? We're not made aware of why staffing changes take place, but I will always be grateful to Dan for his great work on the show and wish him only the best. We're also excited that we'll be back on NBC's schedule in the fall and are looking forward to working on those episodes. Well, that answers all my questions, Alison Bree. <laughs> Were you aware that Dan was going to be let go? Uh, did the studio or network consult with you about these changes? What are their plans for the new season? Those are questions that they were expecting journalists to ask and that they had fed the cast members' answers to. Did that memo go out before he got on the plane? <laughs> um, I hope not. I really, really hope not. Uh, John, you have, uh, you, you have a piece there. About uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers. I do. Um, PricewaterhouseCooper, or as I know him, PricewaterhouseCooper, Sterling Draper, Price Campbell, have <laughs> done a... Uh, look, I've got a bit, they don't actually explain anywhere in this story from the Sydney Morning Herald exactly how they've come up with this. But 
Uh, apparently, Australian drama and children's programs would all but disappear from TV schedules if content quotas for free-to-air stations were scrapped, a report commissioned by the government has found. The number of hours devoted to Australian children's programs, dramas, documentaries and news and current affairs shows would fall by 19%, equivalent to more than $250 million in productions. Price Wardhouse Group Australian Draper Price Campbell found in its analysis of impact of removing quotas. There's basically talk about changing the quota system. So under the current proposals before Stephen Conroy, the quota system, which at the moment says at least 55% of Australian content between the hours of 6am and midnight, pay TV operators required to spend 10% of their total budgets on drama. So under the proposals, the quota is going to extend to include 50% increases in sub-quotas in drama, documentary and children's programming. That sounds good. I'm, I'm for that. So effectively, yes, it's going to mean that, that they still have to do that amount of Australian programming, but more of it has to be... Yeah, that, drama. Let's that say it has to be news or reality. That report is a, a little bit incorrect because uh, I believe the uh, the digital channels, the digital multi-channels, don't have Australian quotas on them at this point in time. So is that ten percent what they're planning to introduce? No, no, no. So no, the ten percent is the ten percent is for uh, cable channels or or pay TV oh, channels. I see. Right. Uh, not all Australia free to wear commercial channels, just the uh, main channels nine, ten, and seven. So seven mate, uh, go, uh, gem, eleven are not required to have fifty five percent of their content Australian. So according to this report, and again, I have no idea how they found this out, but I'm sure the lovely Toby Halligan will let us know later on. The amount of money spent on adult drama and children's programs would fall by 90 and 100% respectively if quotas were scrapped. The amount of money the pay TV industry would devote to Australian programming would fall to 6% of total budgets, the level it was 12 years ago when the quotas were introduced. Basically, Australian content is more expensive to produce than US shows. They would just buy US shows and they wouldn't put it on. I mean, it's not a surprise, any of this. I think we've all assumed that's how Australian television works. It's only going to be there if you're forced to put it on. Mm. But um, it's just odd to see it you know, s- s- turned into statistics. Yes, and, and I, you know what? I'm, I'm shocked by 90 to 100% of it gone <laughs> yeah. if, uh, if, if uh, quotas are, are taken away. That, that the uh, Australian free-to-wear networks would feel no responsibility to or almost no responsibility to create but also their own fair, content. I mean, All their responsibility is their shareholders and their bottom line. So and, it's and, cheaper to buy US content. And it is a lot cheaper to buy US content. Yeah. Anywhere in, in, else in the, in the world, then that's their, that is their legal responsibility. Well, yeah, yeah. But I'm not talking about legal responsibility. I'm not talking about responsibility to, to shareholders. I'm talking about there still being a moral responsibility of corporate governance. No, no. Uh, moral responsibility doesn't come into it well, my when it thing, comes into to corporate. My thing with this, though, is also because our shows aren't good enough to sell overseas. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, we're making... These shows don't go anywhere. You well, know, it's because it, we're not making shows good enough to I, sell well, overseas. that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's what exactly what I'm saying. It's like, you know, we're going to buy The Wire and put it on somewhere. No one's going to be buying Pack to the Rafters because why would you? Like, there's no need. They've got those shows already. So it's almost like, yeah, they're making shows that just aren't good enough anyway. Why not? So that, I guess they're saying, well, why not just not make them at all, rather than, you know, the other rule, which would be, why not make some good stuff that actually would have international appeal? Just throwing that out there. Oh, you're crazy. You're a I crazy know, man I'm with a crazy, crazy dreamer. Ideas. Yeah. And one last thing, John Richards, you, uh, you wanted to have the microphone for a bit? I did. I just wanted to mention another death that happened last week was my good friend Erin Thomas, who worked at ABC Television in mm. Sydney. Uh, she'd worked on many shows, including Q&A and First Tuesday Book Club, a 
some of our listeners may have known Aaron either from ABC TV and radio in Sydney or possibly from the Malthouse Theatre in Melbourne. She was also a dramaturg and a writer. She passed away on the tw- on Sunday the 27th. And oh, I sad. just wanted to mention that. And uh, it was a privilege to have known her. And that is the Box Cutters News. Just go to the store and buy a bag of walnuts. Oh, yeah, we'll have them in hysterics with that bit. Six minutes in a checkout line. Ooh, somebody stop me, I'm laughing. To grow up in Australia in the 1980s was to be presented with Warner Brothers cartoon shorts every day after school. In the same way that boys in awkward adolescence would love to quote Monty Python and recite radio bits from Good Morning Vietnam, they would also recite things like Robin Hood Daffy, Rabbit of Seville, the Scarlet Pumpernickel. These were all things that boys growing up in Australia in the 80s knew very, very well. And then, clearly, I'm one of them, uh, we, we kind of we, we had enough. We'd seen them all. We saw everything that Channel 9 could offer us. And the zany in these cartoons just wasn't surprising enough for us. So we, we starved for, for Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes. I always, I always say Looney Tunes. It's really Looney Tunes. Uh, it's hard to say. Yeah, though. I think, you know, stick with what you know. It depends on what accent you're using. Well, because it's spelt T-O-O-N, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, I think stick with tunes. Well, anyway. You sound like a moron. So we hunted out some uh, old Tex Avery cartoons. We kind of relished what John Christopher Lucy gave us in, in terms of Ren and Stimpy. But that was short-lived because he was kicked off Ren and Stimpy because MTV hated him. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there was something, though, in, in Looney Tunes that only Warner Brothers could give us. And then in 1993, Steven Spielberg commissioned writer and producer Tom Ruger to produce Animaniacs. And it was the exact kind of zany that we're at, we were out for. And I, I just realised as well, because I've never actually said Tom Ruger's name out loud, and for a zany cartoon, for the creator to have the surname Ruger, <laughs> that's so appropriate. This is the things you may have missed. We never came up with a theme to things you may have missed. Animaniacs didn't try to force modern animation on old ideas. It, it kind of created new characters that referenced the Warner cartoon history with poetic aplomb, uh, as opposed to uh, Tiny Toons, which preceded uh, Animaniacs and was also a Ruger Spielberg creation. Uh, for example, with the poetic aplomb, you, you've got three characters – Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, they're pretty much the stars of the show. And they might be monkeys, they might be dogs or cats. It's kind of hard to tell because it's that rubber hose style uh, animation, which uh, was very popular in in, in the 20s and 30s, where all the limbs just looked like they were rubber hoses. So this is the the idea behind these three characters is that they were created in the 30s but were way too crazy to actually live as characters in the time. Nobody really understood them. Uh, All their films were locked away and seen by no one because no one could understand what was going on in them. Too much blackface. Locked away, possibly locked away in the 1930s, and then they escape in the 1990s to wreak havoc all over again. Uh, Another character is Slappy Squirrel, who is a star of the 1940s cartoons. 
And now she is old, retired, but still willing to engage in the old outsmarter routines that uh, were pretty much the realm of Bugs and Daffy, and Bugs would outsmart Daffy, and uh, this is the, the kind of character that Slappy Squirrel is. I wrestled with Walter Wolf, Sid the Squid, and Beanie the Braindead Bison. This Doug guy hears nothing. Yeah, but those were cartoons, and this is real life. Don't tell him. He might crack. Look, Skippy, I've seen and done every trick in the book. Hold it there. You're doing the old frozen take bit, which means that Doug the dog was right behind me. <laughs> that was just like in prehistoric Slappy. That was Cave Girl Slappy, 1932, directed by Piz Peeners. Eh, but let's not be anal. Let's get some walnuts. But there were... All new concepts as well. There are things like the Good Feathers, who are pigeons, and their characters are modelled on the R-rated Scorsese film Goodfellas. Because <laughs> kids love that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. This was not for kids. This this show was was not for kids. It was for those of us who grew up with these uh, with these cartoons and were really starved for something. Then there's also Pinky and the Brain, who uh, you're probably familiar with. They're two lab mice who wanted to take over the world every night. They actually got their own spin-off series later on that uh, went on to have many more episodes, I think, than Animaniacs. Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering? I think so, Brain. But where are we going to find a duck and a hose at this hour? It was, however, Yakko, Wacko and Dot who stole the show for me. Uh, their slapstick shenanigans and songs with references to art and literature was smart comedy, and that's what gave Animaniacs its strength. It never underestimated its audience. Viewers either got the references or they didn't, and th- there was still enough to laugh at outside of the pop culture nods and winks. The true test, though, of whether Spielberg and Ruger managed to properly recreate the essence of old Looney Tunes is whether or not it seems to have dated. And I I don't think so. Uh, I just watched five episodes back to back and still really funny. And And what what year again did you say this was from? 1993. Mm -hmm. And if, if you watch a lot of comedy now that was made in 1993, a lot of it has dated. If you watch Friends from then, it's really dated. The old Seinfelds, they just don't seem funny anymore. Uh... And it's not because I'm dead inside. I think it's just because comedy changes. Animaniacs has has really held true. Uh, Some of the jokes were of their time. Uh, Bill Clinton playing the saxophone is referenced in the opening opening credits. Uh, And that that is very much a joke of the early 90s. But... Then if you think about the uh, the Warner Brothers cartoons, they had uh, like Roosevelt jokes, and they, they had jokes that were of the time. They kind of just... You just go past them. Bugs Bunny does an awful lot of referencing to ads of the period. And the interesting thing is uh, there's a lot of stuff now that people don't know what he's referring to. I was reading about this the other day. The, the people know that it's a reference to a, a, a product or a slogan of the time that would have been known to the entire audience. And uh, in much the same way that the Jeeves and Worcester books uh, by, by Woodhouse yes. does the same thing. References what was mainstream commercial culture in a way that now the only thing left is the Woodhouse books and the Bugs Bunny cartoons. Right, so the, people the, don't the actual know original things the, don't, yes, don't exist yes. anymore and no one has No any. one kind of knows what, what the reference was to. So we need a kind of uh, Rosetta Stone yeah. of commercial products. So I, I think it's pretty timeless, Animaniacs. I, I, I was very glad to 
to have it on my TV again. And uh, I can't wait to get the delivery of the uh, the other two DVDs to to watch the, the rest of them. The, there are moments in Animaniacs that that as a as a, a university student had me in tears seeing for the first time and had uh, some friends and I just calling each other up straight after an episode and then repeating things to to each other from that episode and then laughing again. It was that that kind of thing. That kind of thing that you could laugh as a university student and you didn't even have to be stoned. Maybe it helped, uh, but I wasn't, so I, I I don't know. So you might have missed Animaniacs, but... I reckon it's worth hunting down if uh, you've got a zany-sized hole to fill Uh-oh. in your heart. Oh. <laughs> what? what? Hole. Hole. Yeah. Are you laughing at the word hole? Yeah. Child. Friends, we'll paint any ceiling for just twenty nine ninety five. Right. How do we do it? No overhead. In fact, when we get through, you'll have nothing overhead. And if you hire us, you'll have nothing in your head. We paint ceilings, ceilings, and only ceilings. We don't paint floors because they're beneath us. Who are you? What are you doing here? We heard you had a ceiling that needs paint. Nice bungalow. This your place? You fools, I'm the great Michelangelo. And this is the Sistine Chapel. Oh, yeah? If you're so great, what did you do with the other 15 chapels, huh? Got you there. Out! Out! How dare you! Cut! That's the worst coma acting I've ever seen! Is it my imagination or is TV getting worse? Ah, this show ain't no good. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Look out, Smithers! <laughs> I love this show. So I was uh, I was looking through the Foxtel guide uh, on my phone the other day, uh, wanting to record an episode of uh, of The Voice, uh, and because someone at work was talking about how wonderful it is, how great it is, and how much she cries when watching an episode of The Voice, and so I'm scrolling through the the guide, and the title of this episode is. Live final. The voice. Live final. 7.30 Saturday. And I went, that is so weird. That is so weird that they would do a live final show on a Saturday. Channel 9, have you lost all sense of where people watch TV and when they watch TV? Live finals are for Sunday nights. Everybody knows that. Not for Saturday nights. I recorded it. On the, on the Saturday night, wanting to be a part of the live final, and I start watching it, going, hang on, this doesn't feel very final to me. There are still something like 28 contestants. <laughs> I don't think they're all going to get eliminated now. And then I went, hang on, it still doesn't even seem right that they would have a heat on a Saturday night. That's so anti what television is all about channel nine i don't think they are that stupid i don't think their hair is that much on fire that they would relegate the highest rating show that they have in their stable to a saturday night and i looked at the television guide a little more carefully and no it is a repeat of monday night's show therefore the show on saturday night is neither live nor final (laughs) And it, it distinctly said live final? It definitely said live... No one added live, that in, in Biro no one, no one added that Crayon? in Biro. No, oh. no. It definitely said live final. 
The Voice live final. So do you think Nines is adding that to all their publicity now? Every episode says live final. They're kind of not lying. So it's not in their publicity. It's in their it's in the listing that they send out to other people who who uh, recreate the, the television listings. So the only place where that's not called live final is Ice TV. Because Ice TV create their own listing, and uh, and sometimes use their own titles. Everywhere else on every other listing, Yahoo Seven, Foxtel, it is all called Live Final, because the first round of The Voice is what we used to call the Turning Around Show, where the coaches would sit in their chairs, wait until someone started singing, then turn around to see if they could get them on their team. Uh, this is no longer the turning around show. This is now the teams fighting off against each other. So if the first one was the heats, then this is several rounds of the same final. Oh, so this is the final phase before we all die, effectively. Yes. Right. Yes, pretty much. So it's like the final 24 episodes. Yeah, right. the final 24 episodes recorded in front of a live audience. Basically, what they're saying is it's, it's, it's something to... It's not going to go on infinitely and it's not been animated <laughs> That's it's, pretty much what they're Yeah, saying. it's not been Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. Pretty much that's uh that's that's it. That is crap. They TV. should put that on everything now. The news, live final. Yeah. And it is the final it is the final six PM bulletin for that day. Yeah. It's such crap TV. If you watch one Properly, if you were going to watch one thing this week, what would it be? This week it would be... Say girls. Say, say girls. <laughs> on Showcase. <laughs> on <laughs> Monday night. It's, no, um, I wouldn't do that. ABC One, Sunday nights, 8.30, Marbo. Oh, oh, the, the, movie, the movie? The mm-hmm. movie or the documentary from uh, the new movie? No, I the think new it's, it's the, yeah. The, the, the trailer look for that looked so good, you knew it wasn't cut by the ABC. <laughs> like, oh. it was such a great trailer. We went, oh, that's it's professional. Clearly, clearly made by the wow. actual people who made the show. It looks, it looks so great. So this is, this is the Life and Times of Eddie Marbo? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, Which, it's uh, fascinating. 20th anniversary that uh, that Roland came out. And, and judging just from the ad, the makeup on Deborah Mailman's amazing. Like, she goes from, you know, Is she playing Eddie Marbo? To, she plays Eddie Marbo. She, wow. plays, she, she plays all the characters and does it all in Esperanto. She's amazing. But like, they, they take her from like Esperanto. really yeah, young. Yeah, she's like Eddie culturally sensitive. <laughs> well, yeah, that way everyone can enjoy it. Or no one can enjoy it. Because, you know, the Aboriginal communities uh, and, and Torres Strait Islanders, they all had different languages. Yes. So yeah, why not yeah, just yeah, have them all yeah, speaking yeah, Esperanto the but, and then yeah, just put a babel fish in there? But the makeup to make her young and old and do the whole life story just in that. that yeah, yeah, so I'm talking about the makeup. But still, I'm saying it looks amazing even if you were just watching it for the makeup. Imagine what the rest of it will be like. Can you tell us again? That is Sunday night, ABC. C1 at 8.30? At 8.30, yep. Great. John, if you're going to watch one thing this week... Well, we had a fight before. Josh and I had a fight about Sorry, girls. I found another thing. I we found fought about thing. girls. Um, I know, we've, we've, we fought over girls and you won. I know, crazy. Um, I wasn't remotely interested in girls from the little bit I'd heard of it until you guys reviewed it. And I thought, right. well, actually, that does sound interesting because everything I'd heard just made it sound tedious. And I've watched the first episode so far and I thought, oh, it's like one of those New York indie films they used to love back in the 90s. So I really enjoyed it. I, I, I do completely see, Brett, where you were coming from about the that she could be a punchable character, but I'm 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 respecting the show enough. I feel confident in it that it knows she's a bit punchable and will make her a better human being as it goes on. That's my assumption. The show's gonna 
try and do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I will certainly, I'm certainly interested in seeing it's, more of it. You're willing to go on that journey. I am willing to go on that journey. Yeah, I, I, did, I, uh, I recommended it to a, a friend uh, last night. Uh, via the the Twitters, I think uh, she wanted to know if she should watch Girls or Revenge, and I asked her if she wanted something that was genius or something that was uh, terrible trash. Mm-hmm. She chose genius. I gave her Girls. And I said, if you ever want to see what an issue of Frankie magazine would like, if it just walked around by itself, watch Girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, so my my one thing uh, now that uh, I have to uh, play second place mm-hmm. is also on uh, on pay TV. It is on. Uh, Saturday nights at 7.30pm. Oh, it's up against the live final of The Voice. <laughs> it's not, Better watch out. It's not a live final. And also, I think this week, it's some rugby thing. Yeah, some sort of sports thing. I think yeah. some, some, some kind of rugby thing. So am, I, am of, I watching the live final of Girls? <laughs> no. Are you sure? No, you're, I'm sure. I'm sure you're not watching the live final of Girls, but I believe that is the live final of that rugby match. Mm. Okay. Mm. Uh, it might actually be live, might actually be a final. 7.30pm su- Saturday night on the Comedy Channel is Bob's Burgers. which That's is back. Uh, it, Second it is, season? It is a, a... I don't know. I don't know. I just saw that it said Bob's Burgers, and if you haven't seen it and you have access to pay TV, uh, you should definitely watch. And you have access to the Comedy Channel. It's a mm. lot of ifs. If you are in that Venn diagram, is that is that like the top level uh, subscription, right? N- no, it's it's one of the packages you can buy. One of the packages. It's not basic cable, though. It's not. Oh, I don't believe Comedy Channel is on basic. Uh, Bob's Burgers, seven thirty p.m. It is very funny, and second season is even better than the first. That's one thing. And now it's time for The Places You Strayed with Toby Halligan. Hello, I'm good. I'm Hi. hanging, I'm chilling. I, should, I feel I should tell you all this is actually the live final Places You Have Strayed. <laughs> By that I mean it's not live, but it's not the last one. Hey, is this horse dead yet? Look at it. Oh, what's that stuff coming out of it? Gee whiz. I am out of control. Have I mentioned I'm a comedian? I'm a comedian. That's right. <laughs> look out, ladies. Look out. You never used to be this sarcastic. I know. What, what happened to me? What, what we happened? broke him. Uh, I thought I'd just clarify to actually follow on from that joke uh, that this Saturday <laughs> some places will actually have their rugby on and other stations will actually have the voice live final, just to clarify. So, uh, throughout Australia. Throughout so, Australia, sorry. Around so Australia, like Australia. Melbourne, Melbourne, because apparently we hate rugby so much. Yeah. But love repeats of the voice. <laughs> but who doesn't? Is it the final of the rugby though? So this guarantees everyone will get a live final. Yeah, it could be. It could yeah. well be the, the everyone's final. getting a live final. Mm. Just you don't know which one. No. Oh no, I think the rugby is animated. And Delta Goodrum will of course also be there and unpopular. <laughs> so we we were talking before about Eurovision. I know, love a bit of Eurovision. It was actually Greece's entry that was aphrodisiac. Uh, you, were, you were right. Yeah. You were right. Yeah, yeah. you were quite yeah. correct. Um, uh, Cyprus's entry uh, was actually La La Love. I think I combined them both. That's where the confusion right. came. <laughs> right. I made a sort of medley. La La Love, aphrodisiac. Yeah. That's delightful. Um, it's a, 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 a interesting kind of the, the theme of places you've strayed today, actually. I kind of want to briefly mention something... Um, uh, that's been in the, in the news a little bit. I don't know whether you've heard about this, but uh, there's been a huge amount of criticism of the BBC's Jubilee coverage. Um, like, people have just been going uh, a little bit mental about it all. Now, this is, this is Helen Mirren's Diamond Jubilee of playing the Queen. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been called low-grade celebrity-driven uh, drivel. It's been compared to piss. It's been called pathetic. <laughs> what, what, what is it? What are they doing? So, literally, they've been... The, so, the Queen had uh, been around for a little while, may yeah. have heard. Uh, this is her 60th Jubilee. There are four days of events. 
Thames. And today there was a pageant of boats on the River Thames, which consisted of more than a thousand boats going down the River Thames. They used to call that an armada. I know they did, but now they don't have guns on them. They used to have no. the elderly on them. Now it's you know, a pageant. So it's been quite interesting because people have basically. Uh, lost their shiz uh, a, a little bit at a lot of the BBC commentary. And apparently, kind of, uh, Stephen Fry tweeted, for example, has the BBC ever presented a more mind-numbingly tedious program in its history? I mean, I personally would say yes, I'd refer you to the coronation of the Queen, but, you know, like a lot of people clearly quite like that. It was quite interesting, I guess, that they were referring to the Queen as this precious piece of cargo as well. <laughs> like, I think it was basically, if you can imagine the hosts of today, but offering commentary on kind of what a lot of people view as a major historical event, it made things uh, a little bit awkward. So I think uh, there's, there's a couple of rules here. One of the first is that if you're going to offer commentary on something that in and of itself isn't an interesting event, you know, it's just people doing things, then uh, I think you've got to be able to provide history or context. I mean, that's what historians do professionally. Did they have Terry Wogan? They did See, people have actually said that. They've said, you know, a bit of the Woganator Mm. might have made things a bit more interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, And I think as well that there's a bit of a problem here uh, in that people seem to have forgotten the old rule that with television you can actually see what's going on. (laughs) You You know what I mean? Like, so there were commentators, you know, making comments like, oh, there's a lot of horns and stuff going off. And there were <laughs> rowing boats, famous boats, kayaks, canoes, and historical boats. And I think a lot of people are saying, we know it's on in television, you know? And I think, though, I, I think Sam Pang gave a good uh, example in Eurovision uh, of how you can do that and it'll be kind of acceptable. For example, I don't know, you guys both saw Eurovision, right? Mm, we all mm-hmm. saw Eurovision. Yep. Sam's enthusiasm for the legs of the lead singer uh, of, of Greece, interestingly enough. She said, if you like legs, this is the song. And things like legs, 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 mm, legs, and, you know, a whole variety of comments. I think they needed a bit of that during this Jubilee celebration. They should have got Sam and Julia. Absolutely. Wouldn't that have been awesome? If you like legs, here's the queen. You know, like, <laughs> Lizzie's be gams aren't the best these days. No, but you can kind of see Prince Philip saying something like that, can't to, you? To be fair, oh, though... No, but he, he'd, he'd say something something bad about another race. <laughs> yeah, while absolutely. Doing absolutely. Oh, eyes. Yeah, yeah. If you like legs, go to Africa, they don't pants. They're <laughs> better than Afghanistan's legs, something like that. To yeah. be fair, though, there is that problem with how do you cover... I, I imagine, like, clearly the BBC has to cover this event. Yeah. Clearly, covering the coronation when people really cared about royalty and had a respect for it, and trying to cover it now, where a vast majority of the population probably will have no respect or care about yep. it. Some will have an interest. Like, yeah, what kind of line can you even take on that anymore? I wouldn't even know how you would start to try and make that interesting. I think maybe you embrace it and just make it boring because that's what royalty's about. But you, t- you talk about, like, why not talk about the history of the kayak and, and what country... Uh, what country, as, oh, look, as uh, an empire, what country we got the kayak from. <laughs> Earlier we were talking about uh, 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 Jaguar. Jaguar or Jaguar, I don't know. I say Jaguar. Yeah, well, I think yeah. Jaguar's how you say the cat, but, you know, it's a German company, obviously. <laughs> So I think, uh, it's I think, I think you find it's British. It's British. It was mm. now it's Indian. Close. I which also used to be British. That's true. Hey. It's like in reverse. Um, I was American for a time. Jaguar is actually owned yes. by Tata Motors. Is the name of the, oh, the, the company? It's Southeast Asia, South Asia's largest like car manufacturer. 
So I decided to do a bit of looking into product placement. We know a lot about it. In 2010, $7.6 billion was spent in the United States alone on product placement. Um, but there have been a few interesting trends in the world of product placement, like the stuff like reverse placement now, for example. Like you, we all remember the Quickie Mart in The Simpsons, mm. which is obviously kind of a parody of 7-Elevens. There's now, beginning in 2007, there was actually a campaign to rebrand real-life 7-Elevens to make them Quickie Marts. I, I, I remember that they, they did it for a very... There was a Simpsons tie-in with 7-Elevens, and, and they rebranded a few stores quickie mouse. Oh, that's yeah. freaky. And, and the Circle K's that's that we're, cool. we're in uh, association with Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Mm. But C- Circle K was a real thing. Yeah, after Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Mm. No, it was a real thing before. before Bill and Ted's. <laughs> anyway, um, so it's kind of an interesting... I you guess, know that's just going to get cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything's going to be cut. Um, other examples of kind of uh, brands being put in a slightly negative light. Like we were talking off air before, for example, about cars in James Bond and mm. whether car companies wanted their cars to be involved in chases or smashed up. Like, for example, I found quite uh, an interesting example that's along those lines of from Slumdog Millionaire, Mercedes-Benz actually... Uh, uh, had product placement there, but didn't want their cars appearing in slums. Like, so they, you know, they didn't oh. want it, thus most of the film. Um, and there have been other, a lot of other quite interesting contexts. So what, what did they get out of it then? What did they actually... Well, they were no, the just car, going along the highway off in the distance. the car appeared wow. when it was, yeah, not in slums. Yeah. So... Right. It is quite interesting, though. We, we want we want our car to appear in the millionaire part of the film, not <laughs> in the slum dog well, part. Exactly. Um, uh, there have been some other examples. Pearl Harbor is obviously a movie, but in one of the scenes in Pearl Harbor, oh, no, it was also a real life event. Mm. Oh. Well, I didn't and find I that in my research. <laughs> Come on. Pearl Harbor, they use a Coke bottle to hold blood in kind of one of the hospitals. Like, yeah. um, it's kind of an interesting example of brands. I guess it's, it's a trend. As like a, a makeshift IV. Oh, sorry, thing. I should yeah. have been clear about that. So I guess that's kind of an example of incorporating in products in contexts that could be negative, but aren't as obvious necessarily mm-hmm. as, oh, I'll have some Mountain Dew, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, yeah. it's kind of more subtly incorporated in. Um, another very interesting trend is apparently, I should be clear, this is uh, alleged, it hasn't been proven, but it's been discussed quite widely, anti-product placement. Brands are now actually sending products to celebrities that they think are widely disliked, like Snooki, for example, who was apparently sent a whole bunch of kind of uh, uh, fashion handbags from a particular brand, um, allegedly by a competitor. Now, that hasn't been proven, oh. but the brand that, 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 sent the, that allegedly sent the handbag said that they didn't send them, so people are trying to work out what's going on here. So, so it's d- deliberately to try and make them look bad. Exactly. They associate them with someone that people dislike generally. So that's kind of, I don't know, a few interesting factoids about that area. Now, Telstra buying <laughs> nine. So Way to undermine your own segment. I know. <laughs> Telstra actually already owns 50% of Foxtel, um, which I, I presume we all kind of already yes. were, were, were dimly aware of. Um, They're the Fox part, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> I, uh, this is not the first time Telstra has actually investigated a bit for nine. In 2000. No, I, did, I did not know that. Uh, yeah, they were seriously considering uh, bidding for the network. Um, uh, and uh, they stopped planning the bid. This was for publishing and broadcasting a group when Kerry yes. Packer owned it, when Packer demanded $17 a share, um, which is considerably more than nine, I think, was worth back then, certainly more than it's worth now, given it has $3.9 billion in debt. Yeah, um, it's actually worth negative $8 a share. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's not worth very much at all. Um, I have to admit, I probably wasn't able to find much more on the, the, the quotas part. Because um, it's, it's not very... 
No, well, uh, it's just not an interesting story. It's a fresh story. story. But now let's talk about Telstra's customer service because I want to kind of think about this. Because we were kind of discussing this before. Yeah, and how, how excellent they are. They're, they're incredible, aren't they? I actually had a, a series of quite odd experiences with Telstra. I won't bore listeners with is this. The story. Is, this is this pork? This goes into pork territory, does, does it? it? Yeah, we should just end it with. I, I can't think of a joke to end it on, but um, hey, that's the end of the first and only live and final places you've strayed. That's, yeah. that's not a good joke. I thought. Da, no, da, da, just... da, da. Oh, that's better. That's <laughs> much better. My pod. Hey, um, car. Done. When I pod table, it's with the box cutters in mind. Now, Toby Halligan, we were speaking uh, earlier about uh, Telstra and how great their customer service would be in in relation to uh, to owning Channel Nine and how yep. they'd be uh, right across all the uh, regulations. Mm. Absolutely, they they certainly are. Uh, uh, well, uh, although I, I thought I used to think I used to have faith, Josh. I used to have faith, but I've yeah. recently had quite a lot of dealings with Telstra because they. Uh, I won't bore people with the detail, but they it cut sounds off, like you are. Yeah. It sounds like you are going to. <laughs> they cut off our phone line for right. the wrong reason, and uh, I was calling. As a result, our internet also got cut off, right? And we have phone line with Telstra, internet with another provider, mm-hmm. and as a result, for ten days we had no internet. So I'd use my mobile phone in order to access internet, just a personal hotspot. You yep. know, you can just yep. set one up, and as a result. My phone internet ran out and I was going to be charged a lot of money, so I called them up today and said, hey, can we sort something out here? And I was told by Lily from Telstra, actually, who's a supervisor there, when I explained to her that my line was with Telstra, but we had our internet with another company, that that's not allowed. They are her exact words. She said, well, that's not allowed. You're not meant to be doing that. I just wanted to tell you. And I, I was fascinated by that because I'm pretty sure that's something called a monopoly and that, you know, Microsoft got into a bit of trouble over kind of similar conduct along those lines. And also, she's just totally wrong. Um, so, so, so you thought that the best, best way to deal with that is public humiliation? Absolutely. I wanted to name and shame. I'm taking on Telstra. Yeah, take that, Lovely. Yeah. yeah, boom. Yeah, I can't believe that was the supervisor. Take that, that. makes it worse. Yeah. yeah, well, that was the thing I found weird about it. Take that with your seventeen dollars an hour. And so then I started talking about the ombudsman, and she made it clear she wasn't suggesting that legally it was wrong, but that it was against <laughs> Telstra's policies. And she just repeatedly said, "You're not allowed to do that. You shouldn't be doing that." So it's natural law. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Against God's law. Yeah. yeah. Can I share my eye on that story, which I'll probably cut out because I'm boring me with it. But um. I- <laughs> <laughs> having moved, having moved house, Stop. and iNet had the two options. One was in which I basically paid for two accounts at the same time, and one was in which I had no internet and was still paying for it. And I was annoyed at both of these. And when they finally got it to work, they rang up to check it was fine. I was going, you know, well, yes, but I'm, I'm angry, and I want to, you know, I demand to have my two weeks reimbursed. I went, no, no, we've already reimbursed the month, and your mobile as well. <laughs> Oh, so you you, you you were prepared to be Mr. Uppity? <laughs> yeah, and they'd already done like mm. three times as much as I'd wanted <laughs> nice. anyway. You would be so shit in a negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they'd write mm. it down a, a number on a bit of paper, and I go, "Oh, that's too much." <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you can't part with that. Oh, I couldn't possibly. No. Honestly, uh, gentleman never tells. Hey, John. Yeah. Uh, you and me this Saturday. Yes. Uh, I, I believe I, I believe that you and I are going to be speaking to a room of people, hopefully, uh, about 
uh, how crap science fiction television is. Well, which will be interesting, except for the fact that it's Continuum 8, the science fiction convention, and uh, you chose the topic, and you're arguing it is crap. I'm arguing science fiction isn't crap. I think I'm going to win. Do you? Do you really? You think you think <laughs> really you're gonna win? do. Yeah. You think you're going to yeah. win? Uh, so, uh, so uh, Sean from uh, from Acme thinks that if it was uh, if it was a two people enter, one person leaves cage fight, yeah. you would definitely win. <laughs> Okay. That's, that's what he said to me right. the other day. Uh, and that in an argument, he wasn't quite sure and he didn't want to take sides and he loves all his children exactly the same. Oh, bless uh, him. The, so, uh, to, but just, so Ridges, so, Ridges and Carlton. Yes. Uh, Continuum 8 uh, convention is on this Saturday. Josh and I will be doing a one-on-one debate on all science fiction TV is crap, I think is the heading. Oh, is it all science fiction TV is yeah, crap? Yeah, that's what you said. All science fiction TV is rubbish. Yeah, I'll that stand your, by that. Sure. That, that was your topic. Sure. Um, also, Adam and I will be there talking about Outland, which uh, you'll be I'll, I'll be hosting. interviewing you. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And the night before I was there on the Friday, I'm, I'm on the Spicks and Specs ripoff about science fiction hosted by George Ivanov or something. I, oh. I don't know. So George Takei. They, they ask me, I show up. It's also NatCon. Did you know that? I did, did not you? know that. It's, no. it, is, it is also no. the Australian National uh, Convention of uh, Science Fiction yeah. and Fantasy. Also, while, while I'm plugging that, I should mention, the week after Saturday the 15th, uh, we'll be in Sydney at Supernova. So if you're in Sydney and oh. want to come to Supernova and hear me talk about Outland... Will you have DVDs to sign? I believe we, this, time, <laughs> this time we will. Yes, Excellent. after that whole DVD signing went a bit wrong with the whole invisible DVDs, ABC. <laughs> um, this time, apparently, they're going to actually make sure there are some. So, so you're going to sleep in over this uh, this Wednesday uh, this Wednesday morning. If you're in Newcastle, you'll be able to hear me at six twenty a.m. <laughs> on Newcastle oh, ABC. Wow. Well, la da, Mr. Big Shot, talking about television taboos. Look at you. That's the prime radio slot in Newcastle. Oh, damn. I don't think you realise how early people get up to go and work down the mines. Yeah. Are you taking a red eye <laughs> to uh, to do that one? No, I'm going into Are the TARDIS in, in Melbourne. TARDIS? Uh, but if you're in Newcastle, it'll be seamless. You won't even know. Mm-hmm. Also, August the 30th. <laughs> yes. Get in early. Because tickets, tickets are available now. Get in early. Yeah. Box Cutters Presents. Uh, I think that's actually in the title. It's me and John, again, at Acme, uh, talking about TV shows gone Crazy when, when mad. TV goes wrong. Looking at when shows went wrong, bad. Whether it went wrong, so wrong it was good. And when they just went completely mental. I may be showing clips of Super Train. Hooray! I'm so looking forward to that. <laughs> so that's uh, that's August 30. Tickets are available at Acme now. Uh, pick them up. Pick them up. Get in early. It will sell out. It will, as I keep saying that, and it always does. So, mm-hmm. so far, not a liar. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 308. I want to say thanks to everyone in the world. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I'm Toby Halligan. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week, same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters is produced by Josh Canal with Brett Cropley and John Richards and help from Courtney Hocking and Dave Lawson. John Richards edited this episode. Peter Wilson from Soup Giant is the man behind making sure you can actually download stuff. He's good that way. We'd like to thank 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world, for letting us use their studios to record this podcast. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you listen to radio the old-fashioned way. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can show your appreciation by leaving a positive review on iTunes 
or maybe just telling some friends what they're missing out on. You can also donate actual cash money to us by using the donate button at the top of our website. Donating helps keep the show alive and makes us smile. Our website is boxcutters.net and you can find all sorts of ways to contact us there. I got one more bit of pork. I just wanted to share it right now. Right. I, I met, think of Eurovision, I met a Frenchman the other night. That's um, not really... Fr- French-Algerian, in fact, which is quite confusing because he looked Greek, sounded French. <laughs> Strange. And he was telling me he moved to Sydney because as a child, grew up in Paris, um, he used to watch Heartbreak High. And oh. I just love the idea of someone sitting in their house in Paris, presumably with a view of the Eiffel Tower out of the window. I believe that's oh, they how it works. They, they all do. do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Eating you know, a croissant and, you know, um, humming some Jacques Brel, they, they, who I think was Belgian. He and was. he was watching Heartbreak High and going, wow, that outer suburb of Sydney looks glamorous. <laughs> I would have moved there. <laughs> wow. I would have liked that story better if he was eating a beret. <laughs> he could be eating a beret. In- He's spreading Nutella on his beret. In his strappy top and his brown bag full of baguettes. <laughs> Bombing the Rainbow Warrior. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> Have we got any more? Is that throwing it? garlic <laughs> cloves. Yeah, there we go. Throwing garlic cloves. In, engaging in threesomes while smoking. Is that, oh, is that a French yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoking yeah, Malaysia yeah. Trois with yeah. gatoons. Yeah. Mm. And uh, Ooh, oh, uh, decapitating the aristocracy. <laughs> yeah, that's As a good one. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.